0: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another two-line music cuts entertainment report podcast. And today we have a really special guest in the building. Listen, this is a record producer, a musician, an R for VP Records. Artist management, listen, he comes from a royal family in the reggae music. You know we have today? We have Shams, a producer, in the building. What's going on, Big Boss?
1: Damn, my dear, my dear. Much respect, man. Give thanks for having me. Give thanks, you know.
0: Thank you so very much for joining us here today.
1: Yeah, man, it's a pleasure, man. You've you been doing a lot of good things, in you know, us. so. <laughs> you know, we feel good to be a part
0: of it. Thank you so, so very much. Cause when it comes to somebody like you, when it comes to your name, your last name holds a lot of weight. It's a heavy, heavy, heavy <laughs> in the industry. So let's go through this here and see how we could figure out what's going on with that there. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then we usually always start off like this, ask you what part of Jamaica did you grow up in and what actually attracted you to music?
1: Wow. Wow. Well, grew up in Kingston, Jamaica, like off Manning's Hill Road, Manning's Hill Road, which is, it's not uptown, but it's not downtown. So a kind of midtown type of situation. Um, yeah, so Kingston, you know, Heavendale, yeah, off Manning's Hill Road. And yeah, me and my brother, twins, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> and what attracted to me to the music business really is the, the family, is a family, I don't want to say it's a family tradition, but growing up seeing your dad and uncles in the music, something about it just attracted me and my brother. Because as we said, we're twins, so, you know, we're two peas in a pod.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hear you. And what was the first thing you remember either hearing, seeing your family doing something that you sticks out in your mind when it comes to music?
1: All right. Well, when we were... I can't even tell your age, you know, but we're in prep school then time that we attended Melbourne Prep, mm-hmm. and from all them time that we used to, me and my brother we used to see um, my dad and his brothers rehearsing. Cause sometimes my mom and dad are separated, so we, and we used to go spend time down Daddy, mm-hmm. and we used to see them move out everything in the living room and set up the full band so you know bass drum keyboard guitar everything mic everything and they were rehearsing in the living room so that to me was you know what sparked the interest saying oh this bad and the moment music and it just it just nice and it just sound good mm-hmm. so I, I think you know that, that's where it started I, I don't remember a point before that but i just remember those days of being at my dad's house and seeing them set up and doing the rehearsals and stuff. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. And then, you know, I didn't even mention the name. We're talking about the Brownies here. Okay. Okay. Tell the people some of the, who the Brownies are and what roles you guys actually play in music.
1: Okay. All right, then. Well, you don't know. I have to big up. The dads, my father, Glenn Brownie, bass player extraordinaire, you know, Currently he's Taras Riley's bass player, but he has worked with, um, I think I hear him say that, the first major giga artist that he worked with was Jimmy Cliff, you know? Okay. So I remember, him, I remember him touring with Jimmy Cliff when I was in prep school. Um, so Jimmy Cliff, Ziggy Marley and the metal, Melody Makers, um, Lou these are artists that he toured with, you know, for years. And then now he's with um, Taurus Riley. And outside of that, he, he's worked with many bands in Jamaica, even some of the big bands like with Cedric Brooks and those individuals. So, you know, cause he's a well-rounded musician. He, he, he doesn't just play reggae. So he's the LS of the five, right? And then following him now would would be um, Uncle Dalton, you know, rest in peace, Can he passed recently. So Uncle Dalton now is the second and he was Fred McGregor's musical director for many, 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 many years. Big Ship, many, many, many years. And so that's his Uncle Dalton. Then after Dalton, his Uncle Noel, which played keyboard in Brownie Bunch. Um and also Uncle Noel worked with uh, Big Ship as well with Fred McGregor. And then after Uncle Noel, his Uncle Cleavy, which is Cleave from Steely and Cleavey, which Sadly, I just learned that and, and I said sadly because I'm in the family over 40 years now. And I just realized that his uncle Dalton actually make Steely and Clevy, like input put a keyboard in a steely hand. That was a story that I heard recently at, at his memorial. You know, so so after Dalton Noel, Cleavey from Steely and Cleavey, and then Danny Brown know, which which is my mentor in engineering and, and and production he he's the washbelly my last one uncle danny so you know danny Brown, the main street crew you know red black goofy archive buccaneer degree all of them and even prior to that was Bloodfire posse which which was you know very very, very successful over the, in the 80s i believe yeah
0: listen with a legacy like that around you There's no wonder you're in music. You had no choice, but to get into music. None. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm agree with you 100%. Yeah. Even though, but again, once you're in the field, there's many different aspects you could go around and take and do all of that, but it was almost like a guaranteed you're going to be doing something in music some way, somehow. Yeah. So I know. Okay. So then now you started out your musical journey. Now, what did you start out doing at first?
1: started out having a little band when we were in leaving prep school going to high school my brother and i had a band which ironically um red rat and his brother were like close to us because we went to the same prep school and at one point his dad has um their father migrated so they were living by us you know so and and from even before they were living with us um, Red Rat's eldest brother, um, Troy, which even today, me and him still link, Troy played drum from, from back then, from high school days. And he was the one that used to always say, yo, we're not jam, because he knew that I play bass, and my brother play guitar or whatever. So he was like, yo, come and go jam, no, come and go jam. So they used to come over to our house, and we do the same thing that we grew up seeing with, with, with my um, dad and his brothers. We'll move move everything out of the living room, or the dining room, or set up the drums and stuff. And then we we'll do a little jam session there. Mm-hmm. So that was like from you know grade six in prep school, we went to high school, we'd have a little band doing you know, jam sessions and stuff. And then because of Trino, we started doing one and two graduations at Meadowbrook High, because him and rat went to Meadowbrook High. So we did most, mostly two hours of graduation. At at Meadowbrook High, and then also our band played for, you know, prep school had a little pantomime thing going on, so we were the band that provided the music for them back then. So th- those were the first moments of actually playing, you know, in in a as a collective and for a, an audience.
0: And what year are we speaking about here? Yeah, try to show me age, don't you know,
1: <laughs> A joke. Um. So I graduated. So I started high school '88. So it would have been about '88, '89. So anywhere between '87 and '89. That was,
0: you know, where all of that started. With all the band and stuff. And how long did the band last for there?
1: Um, The band, the band name at the time was Positive Crew, and it had transitioned to just Crew after a while. And the band, we had the band up until about maybe '94, '93. When, you know, we got old and then, I think Troy was the first one that had to leave cause he migrated, he left Jamaica. And then my brother, old, Robert had started, this is about 98 now, when my brother started um, playing for Julian Marley. <laughs> yeah, so he started playing guitar. He's currently Shaggy's guitarist, but he, he started playing for Julian Marley. But, all I met who first? I know he worked with Bujo and I know he worked with Julian. So. I, uh, yeah, I think it's Julian first, then Bojo. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so the band kind of fizzled out at that point, and then I started from a graduated. High. We graduated high school in '93, and then that was when we still, you know, we were still doing one or two little gigs as crew, the band. But then by '95, had left there about, and then '96, '97, now Robert had started playing with the other band then. Something like that. I may be wrong, but
0: close. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in between. you yeah. not going to yeah. hold it with
1: 100%. Well, right. I don't, consider, but what I should say is my first gig overseas outside of Jamaica was with a band that um, Robert and Troy was with, mm-hmm. that they, they had done some shows with um, Dan Carlos and, and, and Dennis Brown and Big Youth, and they were going to Guyana, and the bass player, which was Stone, Stone couldn't make it at the time, and so they say, yeah, make, make Richard come. And I was the one that filled in a way actually play for Dan Carlos and, and a couple of artists in Guyana. So, And this was maybe 96, I think.
0: This is what I'm telling you, your journey into the business was so, Super fast track, because look at these names that you're just rolling off. Okay, yeah, it was just Bonjour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like you started, you had to wait at the studio door. No, but I guess yeah. that's what, but it's a double-edged sword where having this big name gets you into places, but you still got to prove yourself. Right, you know, right, 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 yeah. right. You, okay, you can't so. just live
1: off of the name. Yeah? You, you, you have to have some talent behind it. And also, I, I, I think we're well, always, I'm imagining Lenky, always said Lenky Marsden. You say, it's not usually how good you are but how well you fit in because there are people that are excellent musicians but they have bad attitudes nobody knows how to work with them so mm-hmm. it's not how good they are it's how well you fit in and the brownies have this um, what would you call it now we are known in the business as we are very cool to deal with you know, no attitude no no no, no can artist business you know, we're always you know, filled with integrity and, and Stuff like that. So I think it's ideal.
0: Makes sense. Why did you decide to go with Shams opposed to like Richard Brownie, which is the name that okay gets you through the door (laughs) even faster?
1: Um that name actually stuck got stuck on me because all right. In ninety-three now, when we graduated high school, you know, I had already decided that I'm not interested in going to college. (laughs) 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 And, you know, because music more and to do. And in my last year of high school, Uncle Danny had just finished building Main Street Studio. So, even after school sometime, I used to leave school and just go down to the studio to hang out and just love it. The first time I walked in and saw him with his little um, 16 track analog mixing board, and I was like, yo, Want do that, that, me want to do that. Do that. So, so that was when even the studio was over the, over where they grew up in the house that music to see them So from So that was like 92, I saw that. So 93, you know, when we graduated, the, the Main Street did finish Bill and they have the 24, 36 channel console, big tan eyes and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, man, th- this is what I want to do. And then growing up, was, Cardano was the youngest. He was like, the cool one to me. So I always idolize my look up to him. So I was always like, you know, that's what I want to do. So from, from even during CXE time, you know, exam time, exam done, but they are still <laughs> there, you know? So when exam and all of that finish and graduate now, I'm at student every day as an apprentice learning engineering. So, so there's a 93, 94 now, so Anthony Redrose, Used to do a lot of session around the main street because that's that's where quarter to twelve of bag juice and beer, and them reading there and sang them voice. And I was the apprentice engineer at the time. I me I took a lot of those workers with Anthony Red Rose and and Fim Crook. At that time it was Flower and Daddy Lizard. All of them man used to pair with Rose at the time. So Red Rose is the one that stuck that name on me. All of that to say this. So one day Rose work Red Rose working at the studio and say. You know, him full of joke, but I I, him love gid joke and him love, you know, tease people and stuff like that. So he walks in the studio one day and he looked on everybody and I say, yo, what him favor to you? What, what, what him look like? And then I say, What well, him say, he don't look like the little reindeer upon the baby sham buckle. You remember the little champagne buckle them? Baby Sham it not name. <laughs> yes. He said, Yo, look on him face, he don't look like the little reindeer, a baby sham your name, man. And from that day, muscle, the <laughs> baby sham straight. Every time Red Rose comes out, he's like, baby sham, baby sham. So when the book pseudo time, oh, make sure it's a baby sham, I'm an engineer today. So and that's how now my uncle Danny and the staff at Main Street start calling me that too. So the name just stuck. And then I decided that because the artist baby sham did just and the come up to say, Oh, I don't want to be associated, I don't want nobody mix, you know, mix me and him. So I just said, No, I'll take off the baby and just shams. And then even change the spelling, I decided to use a S on it. So that you know it differentiate from him, Sham. So that's where the name comes from.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a wild, that's a wild way of getting your name. I'll
1: tell you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. So then you said okay, go on to Main Street. This is like 92, 93. What type of artists were you actually you actually see at Main Street at this time here?
1: All right. Well, me just starting out at Main Street. Um then the artist them wasn't um Ruten and Stitchy, Papa San. Um, well, Degree has always been there. Lady G was there. Um, who else? Junior Tucker, Richie Stevens. Yeah, I think pretty much those were the artists like just that. this, are, this is like late 93, so yeah, the 93, 94. Those stick out more to me Stitchy, San, um, Junior Tucker, Degree, as I said. And they used to have a couple of men from the area that used to pass through to like cat, then they shoot him up one at a time. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, degree degree son and stitchy them
0: Okay, so then at this time here, this the uh, phase two of Main Street didn't come along yet, as in the Red Rats, the Goofies, the um the Buccaneers and all of that, not yet.
1: No, but Rat Rat used to pass through to because you know when he left high, he used to leave because he he went to Meadowbrook. So he used to just leave school sometime and come hang out at the studio as well. Mm-hmm. You know, right in that time. So he was always, but he didn't start. Danny never started recording him till like 95, 96. And mm-hmm. that is when Main Street did actually bust, you know.
0: And you, because you were taking vocals, you said for um Anthony Red Rose and stuff like that. Were you actually doing work for Main Street also, or you were just in the studio learning everything going on?
1: Well, I was learning everything and Danny is pretty much a control freak. So he will take his own vocals and at that time he would have mixed all his songs himself up until I think Fudge was the first main street. I shouldn't say Fudge, I should say Shelly because mm-hmm. yeah, there's a debate over Fudgie and the mixing. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to get into that. Eh? That rhythm name, um, Scandal rhythm was the first rhythm I remember mixing for main street that, that did well. All right. The first rhythm I recall mixing for main street. However, again, you know, than being a control freak, which is understandable because I'm like that too, to an extent. You know, him being in play the rhythm and he knows how he wants it to be mixed. So I would balance the rhythm and stuff and the vocals and stuff, and then he will come in at the last. I probably take a one take to tape to to, the, to that tape, and he will come in after and then tweak it a little bit how he wants it, and then he runs most of the mixes. So I would start the balance and then he'd come and tweak
0: after. Then finish it off. That makes sense. Then now you're doing all this stuff under Main Street. When did you actually start to produce some of your own stuff now? How did that come along?
1: Okay. well, I want to tell you, sir. um, Prior to to, to me starting production, you know, we used to do stuff with my dad because my dad produces also. And how it was is was that because my brother actually originally started with playing drums, so he had a drum machine and all of that. So when we used to mess around with even Orban, cause Orban had recorded a couple songs, he was the one programming all the drums. So I have a thing where if that is your lane, that is your lane. I'm not gonna mess with you. I play bass and I play the keyboard, so I'll do those Robert to play the drums and the guitars and whatever. But um so yeah, so when at one point no main street Start wanting to start distributing their own records instead of making Pentos distribute our dynamic sounds. So, you know, the game of distribution is, is um quantity. So Danny had a lot of songs on tape that weren't released and whatever, and him say, Oh, we'll just build some rhythm for them song there and make, make them song there. So we started doing that because Robert started working at Main Street as Danny's assistant. He used to vet the artists them you know, put rhythms and cassettes and send them, co- go to the demo, And then when um, bringing them, demo, Robert listen to them and stuff. So Robert and I were there and, you know, then they say, build some rhythm for them singing and whatever, whatever. I mean, he never really liked them. <laughs> but that is where we started as a production team, myself and my brother. <laughs> so when that was going on, I was like, yeah, all right. Robert played the drums and I'll play bass and keyboards. Anyway, at one point, I don't remember even what happened but i just decided to say you know what because robert had been on tour and whatever and then he started doing most of his stuff this is when main street kind of depth on 11 now because my first rhythm was 97 so this is after Main street crew bros bust out and all of this i'm gonna say you know what i gotta just be larry and, and see what happened so this is like late 96 or 97 and i just and that was it my first rhythm was one named chinatown and the second rhythm was um gypsy. Um, Ch- um, Chinatown ended up on Mr. G's album with him and us, him and uh, being a man a song named Dark Glass. And then the other rhythm name Gypsy was the second rhythm, which was my first real release. God, that was my first juggling, you know.
0: And who was on who was on the Gypsy at this time here?
1: Gypsy. The, the first release was Degree T.O.K. Red Rat um Chico. I think Hawkeye was on the first cut too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those that I can remember after the top of was five. And and Troy, um, the drummer, we call him That or Troy genius. But he even this DJ too. He came back to Jamaica by then and he wanted to pursue a career. In Because really and truly you know it's Troy why Red Rat started DJing. Because when they were at my when they used to live with me up at my house, um he was a big Professor Nuts fan. So he used to DJ like, prof- he used the cassette from prof- Professor Nuts and he used to DJ like Nuts and thing, And then they bring Ratty Night as a Nickel bread and all. and them used to do barbecues and stuff at Meadowbrook as, I don't know if you know Ghost and Culture. Remember when Ghost and Culture was around? All right. Mm-hmm. So they used to do the Ghost and Culture set. Right, so Rat used to be um, ghost with a fine voice, and then Chai he used to be culture. They used to be ghost and culture set at school, lunchtime, and them something there. <laughs> so anyway, so fast forward to 97, no, so Chai came back and decided say he wanted to, you know, <clears throat> DJ and stuff. So he, he voiced, and rhythm read him as well. And this is either before or in between, because Chai was playing drums for Baby sham and Bounty killer. He was in a backing band named Mob. So that is, he did a lot of that.
0: <laughs> yes i remember my big big band that time yeah there. man big big band okay and how did that actual the rhythm do for you at that time there too
1: <laughs> gypsy being the first rhythm it for me i was just happy to hear it on the radio because them time that i was just making music for the fun of it you know like yo this is our do, and artists them voice me and i was just so happy first time i hear it on the radio i was like yo you know that rhythm i play you know and yeah Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't a, a big seller or whatever. It played on the radio a couple of times, but, you know, this is what it is. <laughs> I hear
0: you 100%. And even you said, you mentioned that TOK was on radio. What was it like when you first met TOK?
1: It was nothing I've ever heard of before. <laughs> like, no, like, since... Let me tell the TOK story, then, since you asked like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember because... I, where Main Street is. It, Uncle Danny used to live in the house. So before he moved, he built the studio and the house. So the studio is to the back of the house, right? So alright. So Uncle Danny moved and Melancere song, which is squeeze, um, squeeze, squeeze from Melancere. He he owned, he rented the house, sorry, for keeping sound system. So them use the voice, dub and all of them thing that. Over the house every day, so sometimes I will be walking in and out, and I'll hear this harmony. I come out like them. I play back some dub, and me I hear it. And me I say, "Oh, that so good." like I wasn't even going to ask them. Like I may never really got at the house like that, but me hear it. And me I say, "Oh, that song. That song so unique, different and bad." But no, I squeeze them. and do them thing. Me not care. Me I do my thing. I'm in the studio at daytime time or whatever, whatever. So I wasn't paying it any mind. So anyway, so. My brother now made this rhythm cassette for artists that want to voice for Main Street. So similarly, we we'll said the process is you take the rhythm, go write a song, come back and audition. So that was the process. The night missing them four youth are walking. I, honestly I can't remember them before that. I'm sure that I, I saw them before that, but I don't remember seeing them after. That. Anyway, them come the studio tonight the now. And them said, i come for the Danny. So I'm like, oh, Danny busy or whatever. I'm say, oh, come for additions. So me I say, I hey, come. So like them put in the rhythm or whatever and rhythm start play. Them say, I write a song for the rhythm and the rhythm start play. So I say, oh, I know Danny rhythm that. That's a my rhythm.
0: <laughs>
1: then one of them say, okay. Uh, so I said, let me hear one of have muscle. When the man opened them mouth, you know. Me couldn't believe it. Trust me, me never hear nothing like that yet. When the man and one thing I respect with them and love is like a lot of young artists when them come to audition, them would there and them are sing them song and yeah, I go down the street and like like them a talk to them friend. But when when we said audition and go to press, play upon the tape and get okay, is like a stage show. The man them they when them open them mouth and them a DJ, them a project and a bass voice and then. then Craig and and Basie are seeing actives, they never hear that yet for I record and know. I said, No, this is bad. This is bad. <laughs> so from this, so it's like me, I say, No, man, we do not come voice. Mm-hmm. And even then, you know, there were other man, but Adan, they were we one <laughs> of course,
0: But because he's so, the big producer, you know, he was the big
1: one, yeah. And I, I i was grateful that them did love my rhythm so much though because when me and them i taught them i say yo they were in the car listening to the rhythm and when gypsy came on when them hear the flutes on everybody stopping at the car and i say yo what a yo that bad so it's like that within itself and the youth vibe you know it just worked out
0: and then you guys started to link from there okay so then now have the gypsy rhythm you're linking with T.O.K. What was the next rhythm that you had put out or what was the next move right there? Um,
1: but this was the next rhythm. I think I just started working on that one mm-hmm. right after Gypsy. Um, so, but this was the next rhythm. And from then, T.O.K. and I, you know, them used to come at the studio, Them the voice on heavy metal for Danny. And I think oh. then the voice and a couple of things for, for um, Richard Stevenson at the time. Hold well, on.
0: Don't move so fast because we have to dig into this legendary Baddest Rhythm. I got questions about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So um, so Baddest Rhythm now was my second official release. Mm-hmm. And the label name at the time, even for Gypsy Rhythm, was High Profile. And it, that 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 idea, the name for that label came from Danny. Danny said, yeah, hey, man, High Profile, man, that name that we could run with it. So I said, all right in my boss, <laughs> you know, my uncle, him I'm my mentor, he's profile, so I'm going to run with it. Anyway, so, but this rhythm was the second rhythm. Um, I'm just going to the studio and just find some sound I'm like and just build the rhythm. And it just, it just sound bad to me in the studio at the time. And usually when I make chat beats, I try not to make it sound too much like what is happening on the street. You know, Gypsy did have a similar vibe, but no other rhythm never have that flutes up that play like that. And similarly to Badis, it did just unique at the time. Because when it dropped, there was hardly any other rhythm out there that sounded like it at the time. So, yeah, someone built Badis. And Teokey, I think, was the first artist of Vice because I'm my, my artist then. And I was trying to build my little crew, so it was Tioké and Chico. I wanted to manage Chico at the time also. Mm-hmm. Cause when even when I tell you okay, you know, management man you know, you think I really, them, did kind of hesitant. Mm-hmm. So you know, but yeah, so but him, so it was T okay. of first had voice, and I think her kind of voice to then Red Rat. degree had two songs on it because, in did the, the one song film album, mm-hmm. which was Miss Gatti. And then he did bag, bag of things. was like, Yo, diggy, you know, where you find that song there, but I did song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And I think at the time, too, who else? The TOK Ladies Art Track, now, was, I think TOK, they want to do a collab with, you know, somebody. And me, you know, I, me you know just, more, you know, more show them, say, yo, we're at work, <laughs> you know. And, and me, and, me don't know what, I think that was the first thing Sa did for me. But me just reach out to her and she just link and we sit down in the studio and be like vibe and it just work.
0: Just like that. And again, now that you are you have a different set of artists because now you're bringing in artists. The TOK wasn't really part of the Main Street. They wanted to get to Main Street, right. but they're not that Main Street. Chico's not a part of Main Street either. Right. Neither is Lady Saw. So, and who else was outside of that Main Street camp that you had to go out for yourself to go find?
1: Um, well, I want to tell you, mm-hmm. Goofy Goofy brought um, Beanie. <clears throat> Beanie Man. Cause I didn't I didn't know Beanie from anywhere. I'm never have a link with him like that. And um at that time, even though to some extent, I'm just studio home, studio home. I don't really hang out at them kind of things there. So Goofy brought in um Beanie. And I, I'm trying to remember who was on the first batch because I think I released two batches of the rhythm.
0: Okay.
1: Um so outside of main street crew it was
0: Beanie Man at that time. What was it like voicing and this is your first time voicing? First time, yeah man. What was that like to actually come up with the hit that you guys came up with? What was that like?
1: Um I being a hot, and this is a thing I've noticed with most of the hot artists then, you can pretty much do anything and your fans them with you. Luckily, that song wasn't just anything. That song, there was a bad song. Mosquito know, and number one. I want me to check it out, I can tell you, bro. So it's like, the song just worked on the rhythm, you know? And I, perhaps to Goofy, give thanks to Goofy, because I him bring being man come. I think in the voice, I don't remember if he voiced the two songs that day, the one for Goofy album, because I didn't have Chinatown with the it, And then in the voice, this one. And I want to tell you, at one point, you know, being a voice, and me being a producer, I, mean, I say, yeah, fix this or go back this or, you know, I'm trying to direct the session and be being a listen, but it's being a man and me this little youth. So him is like, all right, me come back tomorrow, come do it. And when might take off him headphone, go for the chance to make him come out. I just said, I'm come out. <laughs> so I said, no, DJ, stay, stay, do, do your thing, do your thing. And he went up, stay, because I would have lost it at that point, you know. And they turned mm-hmm. out say so that song was a number one song for being it. I up to today. remember last year, too, mm-hmm. for my, for my last <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember at one time when Baddest Rhythm came out, it was tearing down the place. But then, actually, a lot of songs were playing the 45s. But then, when it came to like dubs, now it was definitely tearing down the place. I remember songs like Bass Odyssey playing, it. but their version of the rhythm sounded slightly different. Why does Dubs' version sound different than the actual 45 version?
1: Um, I honestly couldn't tell you, I know that some, t- like, like, for instance, buddies, maybe the reason for that is bodies reading. Mm-hmm. I don't recall doing a B side for that because my B, my flip side, I was talking over it. So maybe the dub version was them chop it up, like them sample pieces of it and, and break it up together. Because I don't remember at all doing a, 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 um, a, a straight version B side for, for that record. Because at the time I was thinking to so, me, no one, a man take my rhythm and go do it, I'm going to do it. Do it, it. Oh, so that nice. was the, the, the catch. But then I was following Dave Kelly, because Dave Kelly used to do that. He never used to make an instrumental and go wrote none at all. So I say, you know what? I'm going to do that too. Because kind of idolize Dave and Tony for that. Dan- all right, Danny, my uncle and a bad producer. But the difference between Danny and Tony and even my production is Danny was more focused on commercial stuff. He might make records for radio and you know, that type of people and so, you wouldn't find it strange to him turn Christian because he might try to please a particular audience at the time so he not do certain things. Even before he turned Christian, he not doing certain things, he not do certain sounds. Mm-hmm. So that's where I differ now. where me love, cause <laughs> when I was going to high school, me used to tell my mother, I said, I go start the class, and we're going to sat the class. This is like in our know, last year, we're going to sat the class. Me never lie about that, but we mm-hmm. leave sat the class and go skate land. Yeah. So I was introduced to dance and that kind of environment. That's skate land in a half a tree almost every Saturday. And, and, and I want to tell you, is rat. And then brother introduced me to skate land because they could have skate, So them used to go there every weekend. So I mm-hmm. used to say, Yo, them say, You know, come on. So I said, I'll go and figure it out. So that is where we go and them them time they know. may I tell you the time when I used to go skate is when Bujo at and them kind of sang there. Um Batty Rider and them sang there, them sang there, and um Ricky General Skettle and them sang there, the So I'm hearing like when Sly come with the water jump and them rhythm there, them something them used to go skate and go here. And it just and how the people react to it and them something, that it just amazed me. So them something that inner me from them that's them time. So when I started producing, I'm not thinking about reading. I think about a dance vibe there. That's what I was thinking about.
0: That you makes know? that makes that makes total sense, right and, there. So and,
1: and sorry for cut here. And going back to what you said about the dub them now. I've mm-hmm. said this over and over. I don't hear nobody come counteract me yet, mm-hmm. but I've said this over and over that personally I feel like a stone of boss by this rhythm. Because I got a, a a cassette of a stone of dance one time. And I didn't hear 145. Stone of playboat, 100 odd dub, this alone. Me not hear 145. Mm-hmm. So, so I figure to me it's like stone, a stone of bust really, <laughs> You know, so I had to have to weep or and roar with them. And if anybody wants to come challenge me, let me know because as a producer, I do That's how I think. so.
0: i don't know for sure and if that's what you say that's what we're gonna go with i remember for sure stone Love, but it's just there was a lot of songs that bass odyssey in particular had that okay this we won't forget this year now yeah yeah, yeah. you know i mean baddest rhythm okay so then you do the baddest now you and tok is linking you guys officially linked at this time or you guys were still just voicing songs and these type of things
1: no man we did we were a team them tend, because we used to touch road together. I don't, I'm, I'm not even sure if they, because we didn't sign a contract for management, them just know, say, Main Street are them base. So they're coming there, you know, almost every day. We're mm-hmm. hanging out, we're a fire sang, And I don't even remember how the management team come into play, but, I started looking shows for them, and we started doing barbecues and stuff, and photo shoot and them kind of thing. Nothing, I don't think we did photo shoots here, but mm-hmm. get them reprint posters and stuff, and you know start doing one and two shows locally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's like 90, 90, 98, 99, right before we we started traveling together in ninety nine, I believe. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. because that's when they got the the big monster hit.
1: Yeah, he Cry. Cry, Dave Kelly,
0: okay. and I know you were instrumental in making this happen. So, from a producer to a producer, you being a producer and Dave Kelly being a producer, how did you make that happen?
1: Well, luckily for me, Dave Kelly's company, Platinum Distributions, used to distribute. They were distributing Grasscat at the time. Cause that was a f- cause after but I decided to move my distribution from Main Street. And got to I changed my label name and everything, but just kind of say, you know what? It's not every time family is good for business. <laughs> so I, I went to, to, to um to Dave them, cause Maria Dave them and everything. Mm-hmm. So I went around there, meet Janet Davidson and stuff, and so I started distributing my third rhythm, which was GrassCard through plan of distributions. And so being around there, you know, I had linked with Yulan, which was the, the receptionist secretary assistant at the time and linking with Janet. So I was around there relatively often and stuff. Um, to your case, uh, like, oh, you go around there, you know, Dave or whatever, see if he will vice way. So no problem. Because in my mind, I'm not selfish. I'm a manager artist. But not because me a manager means uh, I must produce everything because I don't must produce the hit song. But at the end of the day, I'm still working as a manager. So I love Dave Kelly too. <laughs> so if Dave can get us on with T that all that why not? Mm-hmm. So them mentioned it and I said, sure, I'm gonna go to Dave. And the first thing that Dave said to me, I'd never forget. I'm got go to Dave in the studio time. I said, Dave. But I love you for wise artist at my And the first thing they look for me and says, is them stay. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to know if them are some egotistical attitude type of artist. So I said, no, man, the man them super cool and this and that. And they must say, yeah. But mm-hmm. I say, all right, bring them come. And that was it. is not like a link, 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 go on, go on, go on. That was it. And the man, I wasn't even there when they was vice in the song. And hats off to Dave Kelly again because he didn't have to do this. After him voice and mix the song, you know, him call me and say, Come listen to your artist, them song. And play it for me. And say, Oh, it's on. And I'm like, You know, my head is like, Are you producing this song? You know what I'm I mean, I say, It's bad, it's bad. It's all wicked, man. It's all wicked.
0: But, you know, that started. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, mm-hmm. you mentioned something before we even go further. Grass Cat rhythm. So then that was your third production there now, yeah. Gypsy Baddest Grass Cat, yeah. Okay, talk about this here. How did you even come up with that now? Because if you listen to Baddest and Grass Cat, totally they have a, a very <laughs> similar, very similar vibe, yeah.
1: Yeah, the, them have what those two rhythms have in common is the low kick, mm-hmm. the the, the sub bass that is in it. And as me said, when me in the dance there and the kick jump there, rumble, no feel that something there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so I wanna tell you, is it's when I you kick them a sample. <laughs> 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 when I still a cleavy kick them a sample because that sound it just different, trust me. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. Um so Grasscat was the third with him, and that that's a similarity outside of that. You know, again, as Mister, I didn't want it just on a regular boop boop pop boop boop, boop boop. Some add other elements that that make it stood out, mm-hmm. you know.
0: And that was Vegas Chico. Who else was Who else was on Because in my mind, I'm trying to separate Badis and grass Cat, but yeah. they're all just being amalgamated. It's like it's <laughs> <laughs> hard for me to separate. All
1: right, all right. so so Mister Vegas, no. All oh, right, I oh, me, oh, me never mentioned Vegas Panam um, Gypsy rhythm because at that time Vegas was coming around Main Street and Vegas. So Vegas pretty much wasn't in them at that time. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned artists that wasn't linking with Main Street. Vegas was one of them. I don't remember if you did say that, but yeah, Vegas was one of them. So he he was on Gra- in the store, mm-hmm. and so Grass Cat. Now, and I think that is why I call the rhythm Grass Cat because of Vegas song. I believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it was Vegas, Chico, T.O.K., um, Hawkeye, Red Rat. Um, I think Goofy did the it too. Uh, Beaneman was on it as well. And then Cabra. Yeah, Cabra did upon it too. Yeah. So that that's Cabra
0: How did that Cabra link come around? Because this is totally left field from everybody that you're dealing with.
1: Once again, me, I, I don't remember if I somebody bring him to the studio or he must there for something for Daniel. Somebody and we just reach out to him
0: mm-hmm.
1: and him just him just hear with him and like it and just wise. It's, what can I say? <laughs> I don't know if I explain them I must trust me. He's an artist and it's similar the same thing with um when Cabra did do um anything, anything pan juice with him. That's the same thing, we just yes. find back him number man The man No go no, no nothing. Just me and this and just work.
0: It's like when you really look into what you brought to the table from so early, it's crazy amazing. I don't even think I think you would have to sit down at this stage in your career and really look about like holy smokes. At the beginning, this is what I was doing.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never really thought about it, to be
0: honest. Yeah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah no, it's one of those crazy things. So Grass Cat is going. So out of it right now, Gypsy, Badis, and Grass Cat. which one of them really did the most damage at that time there?
1: Badis, man. Even mm-hmm. now, baddest all the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, lie, 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 lie. But baddest at that time. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Not, not all of way, but at that time. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: All right. You have out your grass, cut. You have out your baddest. Everything is going on now. You guys got the... T.O.K. got the big song over at Dave Kelly on the Brooklyn Rhythm now, all right? Yeah. What path are you guys going right now?
1: Still just uh, do music because we love it. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, T.O.K. have a bad song now with Dave Kelly. Mm-hmm. And we started, getting the calls now. Mm-hmm. People start calling, oh, want okay? <coughs> excuse me. And that was, I think that's when we did our first couple of shows in New York. You know, and and even, funny story, I mean, side kind of sidestep, because I remember when, in, in during that time, when TOK I have a couple songs and whatever we wanted, you know, we try to look label deal, everybody I trying to look label deal, even though VP was interested, but we're trying to look label deal. We end up all the way in a Virginia in a Teddy Riley studio. I'm gonna play the song Pan Grass Cat with Teddy Riley, and Teddy Riley was like, yo, what's This is bad. (laughs) So and I'm like, yo, Teddy Riley I go and say over my little (laughs) production. And that link was a T.O.K. link and a T OK brethren did have a link with him. And we end up I'm still and just meet. Because Okay was looking to probably sign under Teddy's label. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out still, but I just had to go there. So anyway, yeah. so we were, you know, in New York doing shows and stuff. And as we said, Eagles Cry are going good. Mm-hmm. And we're getting calls and okay a voice up song for this producer and that producer. As we said, I'm not a selfish manager because the more songs they can have out there for other producers, that's working for them. Because at the time, I was working under this old type of, I should more say not all, but a Dave Kelly um, <clears throat> mode of operation in terms of Dave, you only drop one rhythm per year, if you notice, or maybe two the most. Mm-hmm. So back then I was like, I don't need to drop more than one rhythm a year. So maybe this artist, uh, manager, producer, I only have put out one rhythm for the year. That's not going to help the artist. They need to be on everybody else's rhythm too. <laughs> so my thing is, yeah, when my rhythm comes, that's shot, you shot. Know? Yeah, when I vice, you know, didn't even need my permission, just vice. <laughs> when they sang the song them are do well, then we we we'll know that we have more shows and, and stuff like that. So yeah, so from there, when Eagles Cry Hot now, um, yeah, we were just still at do song, touch road, and tour, and still I try find you know that hit song there, and I think at that time now, I. This are like late 99, 2000. That's when VP signed me as a producer. I was signed to VP as a producer, but then, mm-hmm. and so the clear for that you no know, was when, cause at 2000 there about T.O.K. voices sang for L.O.Y. and then when that blew up, is when VP the one VP said, All right, "We need an album from them." So that is how the whole VP thing with T.O.K. It come up but but then we just have work we just have work 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 you know get
0: it in from there so okay so then you were the first one to sign you were signed as, as a, a producer, producer yeah mm-hmm. okay and then I guess that was the way tok got in through through you as as a producer
1: what that's that the label had wanted in retrospect maybe I should have done it that way but I didn't I wanted the best for my artists at the time so instead of signing instead of presenting T.O.K.'s album to the label under my contract, I said, no, sign them separately. So my thing separate from, from them things. So that's, and I think it worked out better for them that way too, personally, you know, but yeah. So I was signed first and then because I was good with everybody in a VP and again, the brony personality, which no attitude and when I you know, this up nobody in a way, mm-hmm. you know. Good to deal with plus my managed group is like, oh yeah, sure. You know.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. So then now this we're talking about 2000 now. When did Lexus come into the fold for you?
1: When I was signed to VP. Mm-hmm. Because them time then now <clears throat> I was saying, how oh, is it, you know, I'm assigned producer to VP and I'm not really working on any artist albums. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just still doing my rhythm album, them and the label I put them out. So I think it was Christy Barber, because Christy Barber was Lexus's AR at the time, I believe. Or maybe it was Joel, but Christy, me and Christy Barber was good. So Christy Barber told me, "Oh, we're working on Lexus's album. <laughs> so we're selling come vice for you. And I said, Sure. And at the time, I had Orgasm Rhythm. Just I work on Orgasm Rhythm. So that's how Lexus did get on a the rhythm there. Is, it was actually done for his album.
0: Crazy.
1: And and the funniest thing is, I had two more rhythms, mm-hmm. and that's the only one in the end of voice. And I think in the, in, in, Lexus is a highly distracted artist. Very talented, very charismatic, but highly distracted. Me the man how much time to come voice from the album track. them. in not come. When me have the juggling now, me say, yo, come now, man, really, I make the juggling miss you. The man turn up. And I want to be them to
0: date. <laughs> Crazy. And remind everybody which song is on the orgasm rhythm there.
1: Have a new style what them, call it full hundred. <laughs> big, 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 yep.
0: big. You know what I mean? So he's hot, T O K is hot, everybody's hot. So when do you decide to actually bring Lexus into the management department of what you were doing? Oh
1: that managing Lexus was After T.O.K., after me and T.O.K., they have a little falling out and all of that stuff.
0: Okay, so then let's go back then because I thought, figured that it would have been 2000. Okay, he just came into the fold. Mm -hmm. That was after, like 2004
1: or five, them, them, or even Mm -hmm. six.
0: Yeah, okay, so you're working at VP, you're doing your thing. How do what I want to know is you've done so many things. How do you manage all of these things? And you only have 24 hours in one day. You're producing, you're managing artists, you're flying around, you're assigned to a label. How do you manage all of these stuff simultaneously?
1: Not to mention married with a child. (laughs) (laughs) That part. That part. (laughs) Um, you know, when you love all right, I think the blessing for me back then was that apart from just doing it out of love for the music and me loving it so much and doing it it showed me back love you know because them so what you what you what you receive is what you get what you put out so i put my love and my energy in it and i was i i am grateful and and very thankful that um my wife back then she understood because you know women stay sometimes you know, where are the students later night? doing they not come home and this and that? And she was never like that. And I guess because she's an artist, so she sing. You know, she was still background vocal, vocals and stuff. So so she understand the music industry and she's the kind of person that she knows that this is what Richard do this away in love. She not getting in between that none at all. And, and even when my daughter born, I wasn't even in Jamaica. I was in Europe and them call me on the phone when she are going to labor and when my daughter burned the nurse, cause I knew the nurse from, we used to go, I used to go visit the hospital with her. So the nurse actually said, who that daddy upon the phone? And pinch pinched my daughter so that she cries so me here over the phone. <laughs> and this was while I was in Europe with the okay. You know, and 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 I think some family member, I don't remember who faxed a picture of newborn daughter to me while i was in europe so my point (laughs) in all that is just saying that you know i had a very understanding wife when it come on to that because she knows that this are the work and and apart from the obvious food put food on the table and provide but this is what the man love and and do so you know so i I give thanks for that (laughs) so yeah we just had to do the work and things just happen
0: yeah, because that's a that's a lot of hats or a lot of plates to be juggling at any one time. You know, one is gonna not work or one is you have to continually move things around.
1: Right, and and in addition to that, uh, one one hat that you didn't mention was that I also was TK's band leader. I was the MD. So my band used to play for TK on stage trio trio band. And let me just drop some name now. Left side play drum for a couple of shows because left side is a drummer first before we my mm-hmm. artist mm-hmm. <laughs> left side used to play um thing for a drum couple shows um but we anyway, carry keyboard that him he was working with that from jimmy cliff days Him and up come play a keyboard for it for part of the, the run to um who else did you know the band well yeah then anyway, yeah so that's <laughs> that's
0: pretty much <laughs> <laughs>
1: so,
0: that's a that's a lot of stuff to to be oh, handled
1: in one time. Um, riff raff, very talented young guy, riff raff that played keyboard. Um, Nebulous Records. He, he worked with Steve Maldon. he played keyboards for us too on a couple tours. So, things.
0: <laughs> wow, that's wild. Okay, so how long were you with QOK okay, from from when did you guys actually So made?
1: from '98. I'd say officially managing them from '98 '99 to. 2003 was when the the separation happened.
0: Okay, so then let's talk up to there. What were some of the bright moments that you remember in that journey between those times there from 2000 up to 2003 with
1: T.O.K.? Well, I can't say specifically any, you know, one moment, but a couple of the shows I remember, like, I don't remember the name of the show but we were doing a show in Florida. I don't remember if it's best of the best, or what was that a big show in Florida, at the amphitheater. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I remember that was the first time I saw Vibes Cartel, because I was pissed off at Vibes Cartel at that show. And it, was, it wasn't it was anything personal. It was just, it was like, not directly pissed off, I was annoyed. But you know what it got artists, artists. And the reason for that is we, me and OK, we got shopping, and we decided, yeah, oh, this way because that was another thing. People used to think I am a part of the group. Come used to dress like them them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, food, the man them. So the man them in that something, four of them in something, shams mm-hmm. in too. you know. So we did get them long, <clears throat> long white shorts and, and blue and white jersey type of thing. And we were going at the Venian thing. Who in at the same thing, cartel? <laughs> Let me ask you, what I am <laughs> <laughs> And why did suck is that? Cartel never as big as okay at the time. So he would have performed before us. So that is why it did an army because he might go up on stage in that and then we come on after, you know, we are gonna feel like we are follow our whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, but that specific show in Florida mm-hmm. was awesome for me because that was the first time we used pyrotechnics. We hired um a pirate a pirate crew, fly them down and set up the show, and when T.O.K. Okay, run out, and we start shell the players and pyro a shoot off, amazing, amazing, amazing. But yeah, this is why I said I can't say any special moment because we go Europe, we lack like Europe. You know, we, we do Japan tours. Japan, and some of them love, because we, we listen, <laughs> not many people talk about this, but another highlight is we did a, a, a tour in Japan, Mm-hmm. BMO Festival, right? It was T.O.K., Shaggy, um, Sean Paul, did I don't remember if Sean, Sean Kingston was yet. T.O.K., Shaggy, Sean Kingston, Jay Holiday, Lil' John, Omarion, um, Pitbull. So this is our festival. Mm-hmm. So we tour, we, we're doing different, different cities in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. One city, this was like the third or so, second show. Right? And the lineup was T.O.K. I don't remember who went first, but the last segment of the show now was like T.O.K., Omari, and then Pitbull them, then Shaggy. Shaggy was the closing you know. act. After T.O.K. Shell the place, you know, Omari and go on. Now, T.O.K. and Shaggy, full band, right? Pitbull <laughs> and him said them he was a drummer, and him DJ, and a percussionist. Omarion and the other man them is, is, is hip-hop artist, so they might use just DJs alone. Mm-hmm. So Omarion and DJ go out there and start playing and thing and like him go out there and sing one song. And at one point he run off of the stage and he basically say, Oh, I'm not going back out there till the crowd gets alive. So to not sound too braggadocious, after T.O.K. okay shell the place, mm-hmm. the, the crowd cool up on Omarion and him vexed. Because he must say, oh, oh them guys are shell the place on the crowd just like them, nobody wanna see me. It's like you OK suck out every last bit of energy <laughs> out yeah. of the crowd. So you when know, Omarion comes up on the stage, you know, them don't want to see him. You know. So that was a highlight. And me love Omarion a bad artist. So to me, yeah. him should just go out there and do him thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but and it's not every artist like that's something that something when the crowd gives somebody else some big praises on then when you reach is like them wanna know who you be. But you know so that was one instance that that was memorable mm-hmm. and the last last show that i did with tokyo that kind of mashed up my head now was <clears throat> in mostly 2005 or 2006 um when we went to Costa rica now if you notice the year that i say that 2005 2006 mm-hmm. because management thing did end in 2003 mm-hmm. and what happened was Basically, me man I back with them and them. me done with them. Mm-hmm. Me and them never track for a little while. And then the following year 2004, you know, we start link up back with little bit and reason and reason and me have a rhythm at um concubine with him at the time. Cause that was the rhythm, that was the first time I voiced them back since me and them did kind of mash up. Mm-hmm. So concubine with him now. Um uh, i reach out to them and say, Yo, me have a whole, what do I do? So this is after we kinda of get back good. But anyway, so during that get back good time now, as much as I wasn't managing them, them come to me and say, yo, differently still, we want you back. We want back your band. We want you to put a band together because that was always the chemistry. Because after after me and them the machine blaze they play for them for a little while and then, then they have some other musician work with them and the energy the, the, the chemistry not even energy the, the chemistry just wasn't there the traveling because that is one thing that i was always blessed with and again very thankful for it every artist that i've ever toured with the not even the artist himself but the musicians the camaraderie you know is like it's like no other because i hear about tours where man go up a man but knife i'm a fight i man a chat to man and i've never experienced that Mm-hmm. You yeah, understand? I, I said, so I I give thanks for that. So when the man them say, "Yo, bring back the band," we want to back the band. Mister, sure, because fine. To be honest, I was a bit getting annoyed with managing them because then they just start bitch at one point. Can you know, artiste, them start complaining about everything. Sorry, I should that. Me can of of course. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Yeah, so in 2003 when them decided to fire me as manager, I was getting annoyed with them because, you know, in, instead of beating the iron, beating the iron, beating the iron, like they, they have this um, meme that, that that people keep sending around, I don't know if you see it, where they show you two pictures of a man digging and that there's a diamond. And one turn back and then one dig straight with a diamond. I think that's the problem with T.O.K., Mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened in, in my opinion even though they got footprints they could have been much bigger if then they just stick with shams at the time mm-hmm. because they were more focused on because them signed to vp at the time too and then bad boys is interested in la and then atlantic they take up sean paul they were looking at all of that and i say basically them feel like everybody around them and vp is paying more attention and then it you know it kind of fall back on me as manager because i'm not pushing them enough but in reality if you never the Chichiman song is what prevented that from moving forward but nobody wanted to accept that at the time or even if they accept it, nobody not saying it so before them accept that I move on and figure out another way then then them, you know shams are the problem <laughs> you know because shams not push them hard enough so that was that.
0: <laughs> and that that's what, I guess that's what caused the breakdown in the relationship was the blame game.
1: Yeah. They figured that I wasn't more, vo- I mean, and, and and I'm, I'm not excusing myself to, I'm a little bit too laid back. Yes. Mm-hmm. But somehow with my personality and thing, I still got shit done regardless, you know? So for them to say, Oh, you're not a go getter. You, you can't do this. And we need a shark and stuff. And, you know because we assume with big boys, them know whatever. At the time, I was just so frustrated. Me say, yo, do whatever you want to do. I'm just a call it a day, mm-hmm. you know. So that was that. And in retrospect, I should have really just put the them in place. places and said, Listen, you know, how much blood and sweat we're putting at this and try to get them a pep talk to say, Yo, we are moving as a team. We can't you can't block the team now. You understand, but at the time, again, young, emotional, can be annoyed and pissed off how they approached even that meeting. I'm me just say That's another one. Mm-hmm.
0: But the fact that you guys came full circle and said, "Okay, you know what, that was that," but you guys realizing yourself that there's some form of chemistry, even if it's not management. This role doesn't really suit for each other. We like what you bring as in bands wise, where you present our package, where we look good. So then it's good that each other recognize that, listen, we might not be getting along or in the same path with management, but when it comes to our production, our sound, how we look and present it, you're definitely the man. That's something good that came out of that situation.
1: Yeah, man, 100%. And and, and in reality, there was at no point after the, the link up back at no point there was any kind of animosity or bad feelings that carry everything just could see me yeah, yeah. So it's not like we did it with heavy hearts then that there that wasn't ever the situation oh what, what i was going to mention when i said 2006 was the last memorable moment with them on stage was we went to costa rica and when we were rehearsing for the show the mandem said to me shams we got there last year on tracks and I hear a year song, I wanted bigger song. Them down there, and I'm like, which song that? And them said, them boy there, which is a song what it never played one time in a Jamaica yet, muscle. Never, ever, ever, ever. The rhythm not see the light of day in a Jamaica. And when OK said that song there, they said, really, them said, when you go, you will see the forward. Mm-hmm. And them said, all right, we're going to start with that song. The card, Chichiman and Money Burn and them songs, they said, but that song, uh, them just love that song, could do it. Muscle. Mm-hmm. We rehearse the set, and the set, good and everything. Um, I think they have a piece of the video on Facebook or somewhere. Because we had carried um, a Ab- of film, the whole Costa Rica thing. You yeah, see, so when we go up on stage and them say, Tioke, and the band start, and we do the fanfare, we do the, the, the intro, and then the rhythm drop, and Tioke run out and say, We know one of us we awake. When we see 30,000 Spanish people in a Costa Rica lift up, I said, No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> May I say no? Me. And to, to be honest, that is one of my biggest streaming songs on Spotify right now. Because I, I, I released it in 2018. And at, uh, how I did it was Shams producer feature in TOK. And it is on the top of my. I mean, it's not millions of stream, but my thing is, it's still my highest streaming song. And Costa Rica is the only place that song is being streamed
0: that's you know. So wild. know it's it's region <laughs> you, you never know where your song is gonna connect just like never. Shag, shaggy song it wasn't me it was really in hawaii, hawaii. yep, yep. it's where that kicked off like what's the, what's the chances of that yeah yeah you understand yeah okay so you guys up to 2006 now so then now when did lexus you said what year did you start to manage lexus now and how did that happen
1: um maybe it was then when because at some point we did me and Tokyo did have a little falling out after that. Some band business and tour business. And it just never worked So we just dismantled the band. Mm-hmm. And I think it was around then. So it's really 2006 2007 Nexus. I don't remember who I started managing him. Mm-hmm. I know that I used to link with um Jerome Hamilton Car- uh, Carlett them by Headline Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And they were always his booking agent. And me and Carlette cool and everything. And I think she had mentioned, say, hey, Lenny need a, need, need a manager, you know? You're you, you down fighting or whatever. Let me talk to him a couple of times. And they say, yeah, why not? Because he's a, you know, he's a he's a very talented, as we say, he's very talented and charismatic. Wicked DJ, can DJ. But I didn't learn about his distractions until I started managing him. <laughs> so yeah, it was around them time
0: there. mm mm-hmm. Wow, that's big there, too. And another artist that I know you were managing, to was DeVille. Okay?
1: Yeah, for a short, for a short while.
0: Where this is kind of, it's like one of those moments is where, like, because remember, I spoke to TOK, and they talked about the ARP versus TOK. Mm. So then now, you had TOK. This time, TOK was gone while you had DeVille, or DeVille was a separate, a separate time?
1: Mama, after TOK gone, yeah. After Tokyo, yeah. Okay, yes, yeah.
0: yeah, so then it almost seems like that I wouldn't say weird, but it just seemed let's say funny to call it to call it a thing, as in all right, all right,
1: all right. I, so so like <laughs> I,
0: I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> you see because okay, why I can't one hundred percent say that is because I'm not in the the rooms, the offices and understand what's going on in the background. Si. You understand? It's si. like you would be in the background, so you would know it just For me seeing that, it's like, mm, it just seems kind of. Kind of fishy, kind of funny, right? Um,
1: The devil situation, I want to, uh, you know, the reality of it is this the minute, and no lie, Mm -hmm. the minute people heard, because the thing I did wrong in 2003 was I put out a press release. Because we had a publicist and stuff, and I put out a press release the minute TK fired me from being management, I put out a press release. Mm-hmm. So everybody was, everybody knew that I was no longer with TK. The minute people find out that every artist who i manage them, every group, as a matter of fact, they just say, "Yo, Shams, come and do it." I'm just never interested. Mm-hmm. So Davil now, he used to come round one and two time, come by the studio, and I think maybe do a couple. Projects with him um, for some Japanese um, labels or whatever, and during that time he needed a manager, and I was there. I'm, I'm saying yeah, sure, and, and I did one show with him. Like I booked one show at a traveled with him, but um, yeah, <laughs> you, you live and you learn because. I was, all right. After the TOK situation, I said, because I didn't sign an agreement with TOK, I said, any artist I'm working with after this, they have to sign an agreement. They have to sign a management contract because I'm not going back to that kind of a situation with any Mm artist. When Davil came, I was like, so we need to sign an agreement. I said, oh no, my situation with my previous manager, it kind of tricky still, you know. Like, in my claim, said the paperwork never really up between them and this and that and the, the man must have did that so him because obviously you manage artists for x amount of years and you invest x amount of money you need some residual you need this is some money so i believe you know your money management was going through something at the time so i'm going to say no problem all along before it was I'm six months I'm sorry, I wait. but then long before, david was using me but men are going at that. But that—that that was the case. He wanted his record done. As the record done, so him done. He moved on. You know, such is life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the—it's the business. And again, it's not until you really get to sit down. I guess for the last say, year, the pandemic has really got a lot of people to sit down, think, see, have amazing conversations. As I tell people, right now in the last eleven months, mm-hmm. we've had the best conversations that we've ever had in the entire existence of music history you understand i I watch
1: i watch your podcast
0: because it's like now we have time to sit down and think because we were always on the go always on the go always on the go yeah yeah and i know somebody like you too outside of management you've been on the road with many artists like Queen Africa, um, you name it. You've been on the road with these people. Exactly, what was your role? Egyptian Anthony B and Paul Shaggy. What was your role on the road with them touring?
1: Well, well, for Queen, Queen, it wasn't touring. Queen, two things with Queen Africa. I played on couple tracks, bass. I played bass on couple tracks for her album, The Climb. Mm-hmm. And um, my band. Since I relocated to New York, mm-hmm. my band it is the go-to band for vp showcases and vp events so like Jerkfest, fest my band back the artist them on Jerkfest, fest and like when them doing doing that was queen africa's album launch so my band played for her and funny, we know rebel from jamaica so when them get the call and say most artists is like this and and it's funny we find it funny every time because when them say um, yeah, man, I want bring you a band and and yeah, say said, No, we have a band in New York that I can play for you. Yo, what kind of band? i a mean, New York band, come play for me and ray ray ray. And then them say, we're gonna make the band either call you? And them say, Shamsa call you. Oh, are you we good then, man? And then when we tell them who else are playing at the band, mm-hmm. like, like with just jerk fest for argument's sake, when we talk to Lukey D for Lost, we will play for Lost, last jerk fest. When we say, Lukey, I him, said, Oh, are you a play-? They were no good then, man. I said, Yeah, I may say, me pan bass, mm-hmm. drum rat, which I try. Try, I play drum. Mm-hmm. My brother, play guitar. And doing carbon that originally discovered alkaline, but doing used to play with being play for being a man when being a man band the name Zagazo. I used to play when when being did leave rough cut and I work with Zagazo. I doing doing in a new yacht now, too. Somebody said, "This is the band." It's like a, uh, the band actually named Jamrock All Stars. Is star band It Have <laughs> to
0: be, has to be <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: mm.
0: it's. I'm telling you, these what really happens in the music industry is extremely, extremely interesting because all we get to see is the final product. We yeah. hear the song, we see them on stage, and all that, but we don't know leading up to that what happened and how it even happened. Right, right, right. That's wild. There talking about. Let's get into some of your, your rhythms here now. All right, under your belt, how many rhythms you have right now? Okay, let's make it easier for you. How many hit rhythms do you have under your belt? Well,
1: and I, I to me, it's not much, mm-hmm. but more I say, the majority of the ones that are more put out hit. <laughs> yeah. So, for instance, but the first round but it's ninety eight, but mm-hmm. it's the hit. Mm-hmm then after but this was gracia grass cat did hit mm-hmm. um orgasm in a in a 2000 did hit intercourse was before orgasm it never do so bad but mm-hmm. it was it did go on with that thing but orgasm hit for sure no doubt to orgasm then after orgasm was juice juice crazy <laughs> Juice did hit. um then Glue was after that. Glue never. So I would say them, fo- them, the, the, them, fo- them Then, then the remake of um, Bodies in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. So those, those are my, you know, staple. It we're still playing a dance today.
0: To this day, Juice Freedom. Yeah. Who was on the Juice Freedom? Let's talk about that one there.
1: Juice Freedom, T.O.K. for sure. Then T.O.K. Bounty Killer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then um um. We we'll call him name only, like Cabra.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um Mr. Easy Degree And Mr. Easy. Tell me every time Mr. Easy, because easy living in New York as well. Said that song there is one of him biggest songs them too. And funny, that song there never get much love in a Jamaica, in my opinion. But that song that she's a freak. Kind of lady. Bad song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's it. Easy easy T.O.K. OK. To OK Bounty Killer. Um yeah.
0: was that yeah. the first time and you and to and
1: you? and sorry Vegas the pork. Pork, pork, pork. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What was it like recording with um Bounty Killer the first time?
1: Um nervous because killer always seemed to have a particular attitude. I wanna tell you the first time I approached Bounty Killer, he embarrassed me now. The first time I approached Bonny Killer to voice for me, him embarrassed me. But I was embarrassed, but he mm-hmm. just had to think, You know, Killer has just been Killer, mm-hmm. cause I was done by um where's <clears> the <throat> name? Music Works Anchor done by a studio, mm-hmm. cause I heard that he was on there. I wanted him to voice, and gr- and I'm um, grass cat at the time, so not even juice with him. So this is grass cat So this is before that. Mm-hmm. And first thing what showed me off is, I want to talk to him. But him had this of man around him. And I, mean, I said, yo, we forgot to draw a killer from the crowd now. I'm a wait, I'm a wait, I'm a wait. And I mean, the crowd, not leaving killer side. <laughs> and then Mr. killer walk you with know, like him. Like, he might leave the studio. And I said, no, we can't make this happen. And funny, you know, killer see me in the parking that long time, I wait to talk to him. <laughs> when I approached him, when I walk over to him now, in my head to him, carry you now. When I walked over to him you now, the first thing killer said to me is, so, Shams, I'll make you wait till me I leave to come talk to me. And I'm like, yo, I'm to the bridge there, man. And me, I said, general, me not see a reason with you, man. Me no got you know running for you. Me see seeing a, a reason. So me a wait my turn. Mm-hmm. And them um, say, I read it, me a check upon them <laughs> time the Imam be in a feud. Okay. So what me say a grass cat move a vice pan. Him say if I read him with fishing in the pan, me no vice pan it next read him. <laughs> and him just walk away. <laughs> Come <laughs> <laughs> on, well, if I read him a in the pan, me now pan in. next read him. and him just walk go can leave. I was like, John. Yeah, no." Mm-hmm. So when when we do when we have the um, the juice reading now, <laughs> actually T O K him did right his part, I would track him down and link him up and him come at the studio and then them sing for him part for you and say, "Yeah man, this part. and he just go Why is it, and that was it.
0: That's wild. That's. Just again, it's usually the approach first. You got to break that hard exterior. Yeah. Okay. Then you understand how he thinks, how he operates. Okay. We'll approach again. And then now you'll make it happen.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. That's
0: wild there. Okay. Even with um, somebody like, I know you've worked with basically almost all top people in the industry. Who are some artists that you haven't worked with yet? Recorded. Recorded
1: um you mean that i would have wanted to because i think who, who i work with i pretty much wanted to work with so
0: mm-hmm.
1: who would be there that i would have wanted but didn't i can't think of anybody you know because we work with sean paul the only the only person that i would have wanted to have a single with would have been shaggy mm-hmm. and i approached him last year and him turned me down but me and him good see me because as said. I was hanging out by him last week, for argument's sake. So me and him good, mm-hmm. you know? And me, and I had hats off to him because, again, as as I said to him Muslim, he's frigging shaggy when I talk about we when I talk about it, not talk about it. No, like normal, brother. Mm-hmm. So when I, miss, right, let me tell this story, I send him the rhythm, like weeks, mm-hmm. and he gets get the rhythm in WhatsApp. I don't know if he'll listen to it, but I do like running and pressure, pressure people. So I give him a couple days, and then me never hear from him, so i'm linking back and say yo dj what you know like the rhythm the rhythm working nah, our voice where are you and him him call me in the text back and him call me and say which rhythm you talk about?' Me about I said, I to the to, to, to your to your thing and him i said oh and then him explained to me Him say Yo, man i do not juggling for nobody right now and you have a conversation about me i say all right let me tell you why me appreciate that so much I'm put aside the facts that my brother playing nine band because at the end of the day that no mean nothing Mm-mm. you understand so man we're not big like shaggy i act like say me have me have to run back at them over and over and over Me i say this is not necessary because my thing is like even sean my love and respect sean the biggest problem me have with sean is if you're not voicing for me just tell me, I me don't own hard feelings against you because I don't no give you no voice for put you. you understand me? I don't get vexed with you. I don't see a road and make up my face because you don't know, voice me. a you know, picnic. You understand me? I say, me respect you. I respect your craft and I don't voice you. You don't want to voice. You big up see me. might be next to might be next year. might be never. Me a your good same way because 10 other man that they want to voice or not. It does affect me here in our day because my talent doesn't to work. Your talent doesn't to work. We just have to agree to disagree. So that is my only problem I have with Sean. And why I said that is one time I have bugging for advice for me. Cause Sean advice, but um, um, glue. Sean advice and the glue with him. Some fight the sound name.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and after I think him advice, but one more, him advice, but um. You notice, I didn't even mention this rhythm, Tai Chi rhythm, because it was whack as hell. He voiced, <laughs> on, that <rhythm. laughs> he voiced on that rhythm as well. Mm-hmm. But I think in the kind of vex that uh, he never get on the Argus rhythm at the time. He never kind of feelings zone. it But mm-hmm. when agas in the drop, enough artists were never voiced. It vexed because they must say, Yo, the bad rhythm, they not get on, but then they get on the rhythm them after that. Anyway, fast forward to a couple years, must it two must it, um, Concubine Rhythm or one of them rhythm there. I was linking him for voice. Mm-hmm. me get him number from Jason i believe try calling no answer text him him answer one time then him no answer but me i call him no answer no answer no answer so me just take it to twitter me just tweet him and say yo king rarity. See same time him linking back yo what kind of thing that so me i said ali after that answer me and that has been my thing with Sean back and forth you know be- just because my thing is bro me love you the same way. Me not nah carry no feelings if you're not nah feeling. If you don't want advice, just say shams. Me not nah feel like me. Nah go me not vex. Me not have no reason for vex. You understand? And you mentioned earlier what were some of my roles with some of these artists. Sean was my voice cop song with him. But one of the, the, the most successful tours that my band did was, I think this was 2002. It was a tour with Sean Paul, Tanta Metro Devante, T.O.K. Mr. Easy and Lexus. It was a VP tour. Two two weeks, two and a half weeks, you know. Ameri- um, North America, um, not America, but it's tour. The, the, and, and again, I mentioned to you, you know, some tour where man fight and them sitting there. Yo, at the most joke, me get that tour. Can you know what I Them full of energy and full of vibes. Sean Paul full of vibes. And you know, the whole it was just a family vibe and it did just nice. No animosity, nothing. Man do them set on stage and come off and everybody have to say me. Nobody not complain about who get the most forward or not and none of them foolishness there. So, you know, that 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 is how you, you see those names in you know, a some of that situation.
0: That makes total sense. And somebody like you that's been producing, especially especially the the late nineties until right now when juggling is hot and stuff like that yeah what we happen to juggling right now why we're not getting the jugglings like we used to
1: well for one it, it no really make no sense in other words when in my opinion when you're selling 45 when you're selling physical product back then it made a lot of sense, especially during pre-order, which is like the first month when the stuff just had dropped, you know, especially if it's a label where hat, people don't even need to know the name of, of, of who is on the rhythm. They just say, who that madhouse, give me. Who that rude boy Kelly, give me. Who that be rich, give me X amount of copies. You know, but when, mm-hmm. yeah. So when you are doing physicals back then, you, you know man coming in a record shop they just know that certain labels that were hot at the time they would just take you know a couple of copies of that label's new release because they know the so chances are it's going to be good because when you have a reputation as a producer as a label you you, you know your thing will sell mm-hmm. nowadays with the advent of streaming because i even had my own distribution after buddies i i was distributing my own records no not after buddy sorry before, the the redone bodies. Mm-hmm. So, so, readings like, and they have already named Fear Factor and another one named, um, I, mean, I remember what the name but prior to 2005, so between 2003 and 2005, I was distributing my own 45s, and business was good. Mm-hmm. After 2006, 2007, now when the digital things start, step up, physical never made no sense because i had to close on my distribution industries had to close on <laughs> mm-hmm. all access had to close so everybody that was distributing physicals in jamaica at the time end up closing their own shop because there were no physical sales it didn't make sense you couldn't pay bills from physical sales and i think that is part of the reason because it no make a sense no ideas that even for artists album because i was surprised when i say when i say would come with 20 songs i'm this skilleting of 30 odd song. and his thing i'm like who does that nowadays? That's a three different project. Mm-hmm. You understand? 10 <laughs> <laughs> and you're good. Because, streaming world, now the people can choose what they want to listen to. You understand? It's not a case where you, you give them an LP. That, like, I'm sure you used to go through this too, as somebody would buy music. I used to go in a store and it's one song I want, but it's on the CD. So, I have to buy the whole CD for the one song. Or two mm-hmm. songs. That was the case back in the day. Nowadays, you want that one song that got stream the one song. <laughs> or I don't know, do buy the one song from iTunes. Mm-hmm. So that that to me is why the juggling. I mean, people still do it, weirdly, but it it makes no sense financially for a producer. But I can, in my opinion, again, I cannot know why people would do it because. Again, it's yes, like back then when I, earlier when I mentioned when Danny started his, his distribution and it didn't matter to him how the song them so he just needs to put out stuff because it's quantity. Nowadays, that is the case. So if I drop a rhythm now and me have, as long as me have five big name artists, me can have five no name artists and still drop it because those little four cents worth of streamer, 0.004 cents will add up at the end of the day. If if the production cost though of voicing them no-name artists outweighs the streams are it really not make no sense because when you check Spotify and you're streaming under a thousand, you're really not making any money. So it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, as I said, so the, the bag juggling thing and compilation thing, unless it's a brand that has been out for years. Like and I say a brand like raga, raga is strictly the best at reggae gold that is a staple in the the, the 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 industry as this comes out every year, no matter what, people will go buy it. And then there's a physical attached to it as well. So it's not just streaming, you know
0: that makes sense because i always wanted to know because i know juggling originally came out of necessity if you're gonna if you're gonna press something on one side you might as well press it on another side or no it wasn't that it was once you built the rhythm you just wanted to fill it up as much as possible but now we're talking about streaming so then all you need is one good up you know what i mean Two, right three. And, and, you don't need that one bag of juggling
1: and back then um i remember how, like for instance, on this I had 20 odd songs on the first cut of bodies or almost 30 songs. I didn't release all of them though. But, uh, and you know, Grasky had 15 songs and thereabout, And I was thinking about it recently as to what led to that. Because prior to that, you know, when out Juggling, it was four songs, five songs, Panaridim. But what ended up happening back then was, before even I started producing like that, if they were crew, crew, crews. So, like for instance, Dave Artism vice to Dave alone, German artism vice to Jeremy alone, and so on and so forth. Now, when the crew thing did kind of start breakdown and, and thing, and then what was even happening back then was <clears throat> a man stealing the mobile rhythm for a producer and the rhythm drop and the rhythm bust. And then a producer wanted to cut out the rhythm. So them thing that used to happen a lot where three men have the same rhythm are released at the same time because you know, the man they have it, and then they probably do a pre release on the radio. And a man here and say, You want to cut out that? Like, I think Cardi Ride did have two different countries, couple of rhythm, you know them, couple of rhythm from different different producers have the same cut out the rhythm. So that led to you have all 30 had from one rhythm, but it was never one producer. That's the point that I'm getting to. The only other rhythm, the only rhythm that I can say. Prior to like when me did a full up juggling. The only other rhythm that had over 30 or 50 had songs before that was Slim Thing, the Jammies, mm-hmm. That did have whole heap of songs from this one producer. But before that, it was the same rhythm, but different different producer had cuts. Like Gigi was one to where different different man cuts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a wild music business to think about it now. Want to bring you up to date with some of your new projects. The last official video that I think I seen you put out was a song with Elaine called Million Reasons. Yeah. I think it came out in 2018. Let's talk about that project there. How did that come about? Um it, it
1: it all right it, it I hadn't done a reggae song in a while. Mm-hmm. And me hear lady gaga song and i was like yo this would have be perfect i want to tell you originally because this was while i was working at vp originally i wanted to do that song as an exclusive for for vp mm-hmm. um because i am the anr for strictly the best that compilation so from 2016 I've, I've been the one you know compiling strictly the best since that sorry yeah so I wanted to do it as an exclusive for, for um, Strictly the Best. And the first artist, I had two other options in mind prior to Alien. And the first one, when we hear Lady Gaga's song, the first option for me was, yo, Tessan would killed that song here. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, artists and management, once our manager got involved and thing, and, you know, a label me, a call from it, just turned into one big sitting. So I'm just said All right, forget it. Then I wanted IKEA to do it because she 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 has that something there, she can't sing. And yeah, there were some complications with her too. You know. And I sit down and I say, you know what? met my go for somebody where I know she can sing. And she's been out there with you know hit records and stuff. And it's alien and Again, it's just the, the connection, the personality, whatever. Mm-hmm. The first time I called Alina her, I said, And remember, I have never spoken to her about music ever in my life. So this is the first time I talked to her about music. I've seen her alone and um and I've I, I did a show with Shaggy. I play a fill in for Shaggy's bass player one time and she was on the road with Shaggy back then. So I'd play fair, so i see her up on the road and thing, but it wasn't, me and her went on a deep conversation. So i see her, so i um, say, you know what, I am her about the record and send her the idea, send her the lyrics, lyrics, and she said, oh, this is a beautiful song. She said, sure, I'll do it. Just like that. No girl, no, she said, sure. And to this day, I'm so grateful. And again, me don't know, I can't tell her thank you enough. I mean the song no blow up and go on a wicked way, but however, it's a beautiful production. She sing the alright. I I I am in New York. Right? And I didn't see the need to fly to Jamaica to go take the voice. Because she's in Jamaica. So I say, you know what? Um, the only person I would have, only two people, two individuals I would trust to take this vocal. One is my brother, which is Robert, or two is my father. And I think Robert was busy. So I called Daddy and said, Daddy, more voice alien for me. And he said, All right, with studio? So I said, Daddy was rehearsing with them um, and them rehearsed on Pentos. Mm-hmm. So he said, Oh, we can't ask Jeremy because we have a rehearsal. So I just ask Jeremy if we can put the studio. And he said, Sure. So I said, Yeah, Jeremy and yeah, can and Jeremy and good same way? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to tell you, me never, me, this is just coming up. You see, everyone falls in love with him. Yeah. I mix the second batch of that with him, you know. Good on a pintos, go mix it. Yeah, Jeremy and Carl me. So after everyone falls in love, the sang them like the the rich, I think Rich is the, I've got a weakness for swing. Them sang the second batch of everyone falls in love. I mix that with for Jeremy and go down a pintos, go mix it. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah. So um so yeah, Daddy asked Jeremy and said, Richard I want to book some studio time for Vice on Alien sang for him. Sure, Alien come down there. She voiced the song. When we get the song, I was like, nobody else couldn't do this. <laughs> so me glad say Tessa never sing it. Me glad say, um, I can never sing it because Alien fit the song perfectly. You know, so that, that is how it came about. I'm just sad that and that she, you know, turning Christian writing at that time there. So it kind of messed with the promotions for the song, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But she did the song Exactly how I heard it in my head. When you see, I'm like, yo, give thanks with all my heart and everything. Trust me.
0: 100%. And then there's another mad production that you put out. I think this is, this came out a couple of months ago. It's with TOK, War 21, and Voicemail, Ponder him.
1: All Oh,
0: right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> How did you put together all three groups, as a matter of fact, to say, okay, on this one track here?
1: All right, sadly, that song that came out long time. What killed that song that is, I think, I was ahead of my time with that song because it came out right before the whole trap dance hall thing. It came out before that. If it did come out in a trap dance hall, it would have done much better. Mm-hmm. So, it came out before that. Um, it was a TOK song, mm-hmm. it was a TOK song, mm-hmm. and I just sit down there with the song, we have the beat and everything, and T.O.K. voice them song, and I say, Yo, you know what about? If I get the three top crew them, from Jamaica in a one song, because that never do yet. <laughs> and I say, you know what? Um, T.O.K. Y21 voice me. And then it's not like there is any other amongst the group them either. So, you know. But T.O.K. did voice the them part first. But mm-hmm. Carl Suku and Connie, them come check me, them shut up for them part. Michael, um, Craig from Vice Mail and them shut up for them part. And there is this, this song, Bad, I mean, love this song, but people don't love the songs. So whatever, but <laughs> me love this song. It's my second best streaming song on Spotify.
0: <laughs> but yeah. No, again, a because a lot of people don't realize that a lot of people have strongholds all over the world outside of the core, which is mm-hmm. Jamaica. So TOK, they have that Japan, the Europe. Yeah, lot. Europe. Yeah. yeah. Word 21, they might have somewhere else. Voicemail, have somewhere else. So then you combine that energy together yeah, yeah. and it just goes. But one thing I know with music, just like you do too, a song could be out for five, six, seven, eight years before it somehow before magically
1: it catches catch up. Somewhere. Yeah, man. I totally agree. I totally agree.
0: Mm-hmm. Got a couple more questions before I get you out of here. Yeah, man. The... um. You, one of your latest songs here now, this I know 100% is one of your latest ones, with Mr. Vegas, a yard, The Grass cart. Two <laughs> yeah. how did that come up?
1: Vegas, man. <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> and I want to tell you, it's Vegas why I ended up redoing "Baddest" in 2005. Because you know? him called me and said, yo, I have an idea for you. Um, because at the time, left side, I escorted have talking in your belly. Mm-hmm. And the vibe is just bad, and it's like to Vegas. He must say, Oh, this sound like me and Lexus. So, them just come with the taxi fee thing. So, it's the same thing with this grass cat thing. Oh, Vegas called me one day and said, You know, the quarantine. him called me and say, Shams, me I think you know, the quarantine, you know. Because had a grass care to so bring back. Mm-hmm. And I say, Yeah. So, I'm going to send you. And he send me, he send me for po- 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 my WhatsApp. And I mm-hmm. listened to it and I All right. And they say, me and Delhi, you know, I said Delhi ranks, he said, yeah. I say, alright. <laughs> because, you know, like over the years, Vegas is as much as, and this is a thing where a lot of people, you know, might not cannot relate to. Mm-hmm. Not because me and I'm on the talk every week or every month or whatever, it means say, we no good. Mm-hmm. You understand? what i So and and because alright. Me and Craig did up on the phone yesterday for about half an hour. Last month I mean I'm up on the phone for about an hour and before that I mean Alex and then flex come on New York with me and him drive a Connecticut the link track star. So it's not like because we don't link like that means we're not good, we're good. You understand? So when Vegas called me, I say, Yeah man, I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Like go deal with it. And then just say, Alright, and we do it
0: and just get it from there. No, it's a smart one. It, it was a smart move in the time and it made sense. Bring back the rhythm, bring back something that, that has a topic that's going on right, right. now. It's just a win-win-win for all parties involved. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Right now, what are you working on right now, 2021, that we could be looking out for?
1: I'm going to be honest with you, mm-hmm. right? And this is the first time I'm saying this publicly. Mm-hmm the turn of the year, 2021, I decided to me done with production, like in a real life. I tell a couple of people, I tell my brother, I tell somebody else, me to a co-worker from the office. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm done with the business because I have been demotivated. And it's not even like, I'm carrying any hard feelings for any anybody specifically or, you know, I just feel like the business is where it's at, and two things. One, I live in New York. Sadly, anytime you reach out to somebody in Jamaica, the the fact that you're in New York, them just as a dollar sign, and that's a fact. Anytime you outside of Jamaica and call somebody, them as a dollar sign. And one minute like that, especially because of the reputation, but you see, is very few people respect the reputation and where you're coming from, because you have another set of people who say you are as big as the last hit. So some people don't really care about your reputation or whatever. If you're not hot now, and I've accepted that, me not, that that no affect me. Yeah, I'm not a you know in you know, a the hot heat and the production thing, but me not dead. So anything can any card can draw, <laughs> you understand? Know, and one thing I always say, no disrespect to any artist, but a shelf life outweigh artists any friggin' day because artists have shelf life mm-hmm. me I ke- look at Quincy Jones Quincy Jones are 70 or 80 and he's still producing you understand my point there's no 80 year old artists who are to stand up on the stage are and, and I'm not speaking from doing a catalogue me attack doing current stuff there's no 80 year old artists where nobody wants to release no song it just not happen mm-hmm. an 80 year the old artist can go up on the same catalog because the older folk with no himself but no 25 no 18 to 25 year old wants to say it that old person on stage just sing they don't care about you you look like a grandfather go sit down (laughs) so as a producer i know my value and what i can create up until you know my 90 90 okay fine but so thinking about just production and where it is at and Firstly, me really um like the whole trap dance hall thing. I listen to it, mm-hmm. but let me tell you why it bothers me. Trap dance hall bothers me because Jamaic I think as Jamaicans, as reggae music, dance hall music, um <clears throat> we are losing our identity and we cannot afford that to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying and I see um Shaggy talked about it recently and Jeremy Harden did an interview where he spoke about it where and a two dead Jamaicans are dabbling in a hip hop and them something mm-hmm. there. But we have never totally lost it. Mm-hmm. You understand back in the day when we had we had the remixes and one and two man are DJ upon certain hip-hop beats and stuff, yeah it was all good and well, but it didn't take over the entire thing. Mm-hmm. You know. But nowadays the man and second you know, the youth them nowadays to me just have too much frigging attitude. And I am not interested in being disrespected by any one of them because if you're this, me I got this back, plain and straight. I'm not, and and I, and firstly, I don't even want to put myself in the position to be disrespected by none of them for me, me step out of character. You understand? Some rather just leave them. We don't go and do nothing? Me they also know I'm do my thing. Me, all right, you know. So my point is, I had. At the turn of the year, I say You know what? I'm done with this production thing. Or dance production. Because I, I still intend to do reggae tracks. Because I love reggae, I'm going to play a bass. So, and reggae, reggae, now going to change. <laughs> you know? So, I say oh, freak dance hall, I'm done with dance And, I ended up at Shaggy Sudo <laughs> last week. <laughs> and when I tell my brother, when I tell Robert, Robert laugh and say, Shaggy is very good at that. I tell Robert, I tell the DJ, I say, DJ, I don't dance I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. And Shaggy give me a pep talk there. The man say, oh, you can't make the man then discourage you. This is what you do, and it's not like you're either You know what you do, and you're good at what you do, so you're you going to stop just because of where you think, the industry or whatever. And him say, a bunch of other stuff. stop. And I think about it, i I say, i right. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I can't make you know certain things demotivate me. And after that conversation with him, I thought about it and say, you know what? I'm going to try to tap into what made me start in the first place, which was like what we spoke about at the beginning of this podcast, which was me just in because I love it. Mm-hmm. I think over the years you turn big man and you have responsibilities and the bills that come you start pre- be like a peer, and do that. But when you're young and I do it, even if the bills are not up here especially living in Jamaica, you know, you, you do your thing and you love it and you just are going at and it'll work because you you have that joy. But when you're going to stuff depressed and cloudy, you will never succeed. So you have to approach it with that joy. that you know, say, yo I this me love and this me I do. So, I recount that friggin' something, man, about the dance hall. I shall be back. i will be back. I shall be doing it because last year, i dropped the rhythm. 100% dance hall. And I want to tell you, we, again, going back to the conversation about how Shaggy talked to me and him never talked to me upon the phone being who he is, I said the rhythm to Beanie, man. I said it to Blue, actually, because you know Blue, 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 blue and Beanie, man, second. I said the rhythm to blue and say, blue, me have a Blue, I've had track of Beanie, man, you know. Let me know if the DJ liked that if my voice on it. Send it to him. A week later, blows away email address. DJ Vice. Nothing. He not ask for no money. And from me, I work with Beanie Man from Mosquino from Our number one deals, Beanie Man never asked for a cent like an advance. He will get him royalties and him, something, but mm-hmm. he never asked for an advance upfront for vice yet. And I'm going to say it again. This is freaking Beanie Man we are talking about. Yeah. You understand me? I say so. When some other man comes in there, they to a bunch of other man, them either not respond or them might give me this big groan. I'm like, yo, who is Uno? You understand me? I say, and them thing validate me for talk how me talk because I say, me not affidavit Uno, you know. <laughs> you understand me? I say, because being a man, Uno can't say my old man, so to you. Uno you know, achieve with my achieve? No, shut up then. Shaggy. Uno you know, achieve or Shaggy achieve? No, all right, don't talk to me then. Mm-hmm. you understand me achieve because me a producer from when me and T.O.K. go conquer the world basically and whatever so talk. so you know
0: <laughs> okay so is it fair enough to say that you're you're not excited to work with some of the newer artists if they have an attitude where they're not willing to work also
1: that's right, mm-hmm. because there's this one kid, middle him vibe, and he just seem different, mm-hmm. and I, I have not seen that attitude in him yet. In the um, Xanthos, mm-hmm. the guy with the passion Wingway. way, mm-hmm. so I've been I've reached out to him or anything yet. But again, as a as a label and i may scout, so may I check out to see which and which. But on a personal level, you know women see me say, oh, this could be the next, the next one. And I might just reach out to him for do a project with, personally, not, not label side, but personally, mm-hmm. you know, but outside, I like him, I like intense vibe, but I don't know him personally and stories that I've heard about this of artists, all like of them a problem so far. And I don't know for sure, but I'm just saying what I've heard. I, I, you can't be uh, listen, this is our nine to five. We are artists and, and, and musicians. This is our job. Part of your job is doing interviews. Part of your job is being seen by press and, and these things. So you can't uh, say an artist and you don't know if you talk on TV, man. Come on. And and and, and you don't is nobody can coach you. You don't know, want techno coaching. Like maybe like Ragin King to King have a bad sound and him have a bad vibe. But they when me see on TV, I'm like, somebody couldn't help him talk. And I know this medicine, but you understand me, sir. And and being a, and killer used to have that problem that you know. Back in the day with talking. But there wasn't so bad as as them young Alright, killer problem was him did kind of use some bad grammar like him <laughs> and him just use it and a killer that i would just love killer and say yeah man we know what i said mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then when when, the, when they knew i you them i said something you No, know, it didn't even sound like it didn't make sense like when killer them use to talk i could understand mm-hmm. and the younger kids them know them them more talk in a slang and use a whole different slang and come on you, like for instance but i watch on stage a lot the first thing we hear is, and you see it with the inexperienced artists. Most of them sit down, they're rocks from side to side. That's the first thing. And then I say, Yeah, man, you don't know, you don't know. And know watch, you know, talks up on TV because it's not your friend them you're talking to. You talk to the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of them don't understand. You can't tell them this because they'll be offended.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, so you, so you figure just. Leave yourself out of that situation. If there's somebody that comes along that's willing to work, and you see that there's something in there, you'll do. But besides that, I'm yeah. over here.
1: Yeah, man, hundred percent,
0: hundred percent. Crazy, crazy, crazy conversation. If they want to check out any of your work, tell them where they could they could find your work, where they could follow you, and all that stuff. There,
1: you can follow Shams the Producer at Shams the Producer S H A M S T H E P R O D U C E R. And that's for Facebook, Instagram. For Twitter, it's Shams the Pro. And I also have my website, shamstheproducer.com. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. You can even find my catalog on my website, where you just click and go through. And,
0: yeah. Definitely. Shams, as I said, you you see why I like talking to a producer, I like talking to everybody in it. I like the producers, the management, the artists and all of that. But you see the producer. Now you have a very unique vision where you get to see the artists from they walk in and say the first word till they walk out and say the last word. And then it's you as a producer to put that magic twist on it, to make it sound polished where we hear it now. Yeah. 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 True. (laughs) Yeah. No big, big, big jams. Thank you so, so very much for this conversation. Because as I said before we started to record, I used to buy your records, you understand? And see, oh, holy smokes, okay, Shams. See I remember Shams was spelt with a dollar sign? Yes, call me Shams on
1: that label. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't leave without saying this. I'm mm-hmm. half of the world know this, mm-hmm. you know. So... Working at Main Street, as I said before, I idolized Uncle Danny for production and stuff. But most of my mixing um, Mm -hmm. techniques and education, I shall say, came from Stephen Stanley because Stephen Stanley did a lot of mixing sessions by um, Main Street. They mixed a bunch of albums and stuff for some people, and I was always the the, the, the house engineer that sat in on Stephen's session. Mm -hmm. And Stephen Stanley, for those who don't know, Stephen Stanley seems on the co-produced and mixed tam-tam club genius of love what yes yeah, seems the co-produced and mixed that song and so and then mariah carey came back and did um the song with old db this the cm really my everything so steve re- son re- is responsible for that mariah carey song if he never do the song with tam-tam club then that song that
0: wouldn't come up that's insane and he's a thing there he's from jamaica or you just came to jamaica to do work
1: i believe steve i believe steve is jamaican as far as i know but they had um in the center CBSR, or something like that but they were in the bahamas working from studio in the bahamas with a lot of even Sly and rabbi and grace Jones stuff that's where they were doing a lot of the mixing and stuff so cool. steve number dupes. My mm-hmm. dupes, my learning, holding from my uh, ironically, we bump on the same day, July 11th. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> you know what? Before I get you out here, there's one name that I didn't get to bring up where mm-hmm. I think this came later on in your career that you worked with him Vibes Cartel. Oh, mm-hmm. how did that come around?
1: Um, Cartel, well, he was the hot man at the time well psh, him, him hat, no but yeah you know what me, i mean <laughs> so them time you know i think from the fear factor with him that was the first time i worked with him and then when we the concubine with him, that was the second time and then you mentioned him i just funny you mentioned that i don't know if you link it back to the, the genius i love but i remixed the cartel on that same radio just mentioned <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um we just get a number for him and call him and Income come and vice. And I mean one thing related with Cartel though is that Cartel him is just a brilliant lyricist. Put everything else aside. He is just a brilliant friggin' lyricist. Because mm-hmm. him, him was the first um the first song from Fear Factor. Okay, it was a alright song, but that never mash up so much than when he did the one that I remix, which is the when you Youth Saga Rich. He, because he came to the studio. Mm-hmm. man said play the rhythm and him sit down with him book and him pencil and within half an hour him come up with the argument there and that is what mashed me up because him could have him could have end up any girl tune or whatever whatever but the man sit down and within half an hour come up with a song like that when get a youths I got rich he, when friend I got stop switch when we dog a legal when just how him construct that song there in such a short space of time 50 panda the rhythm there too i was like yo Damania is beyond lyrical and is not no simple syllables, nor rhymes, nor not nor nor um argument him I use. i very clever with him words. And that I want him in love with Cartel from then till now. He not changed that at all. You know, so them two and the other thing I read with him too is even though me never really released that song there. When it, when he did why on concubine Rhythm, him, mm-hmm. him did love the rhythm so much, he said, "Shaz, may I get a second song. Record this. And him just vice one another the same time.
0: That's wild. Yep. yep. That's wild. Life of a producer, a and management, just somebody that has such a big legacy, it's really great to sit down and talk to you, especially see it from your point of view. You understand? We know how we see it from our point, but I yeah, want to see yeah. it from your point. Yeah. I understand. Jams epic conversation big boss
1: Give big, yes. big up
0: big <laughs> up yourself thank you so very much for coming through let me give you an outro and get you out of here all right, all right. well ladies and gentlemen this is muscle and this has been another two line music cuts entertainment report podcast and we are out this podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusiccut.com